A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust proof stainless steel hardware, weather ready teak, and quick dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to our new PR Week podcast episode with John Harrington. Hello, I'm John Harrington, editor of PR Week UK, and welcome to The PR Show. The coronavirus pandemic has been a challenging time for established PR agencies, with some battling to survive and most having to downsize to get through the worst of it. Despite this, there has been a surprising number of new agencies that have launched during the crisis, promising to carve out a niche in a market that is already under strain. Today, we'll take a closer look at four new agencies to find out why they have decided to launch at this difficult time the challenges they've had to overcome, and the opportunities that lie ahead. Joining our panel is Shook co-founder Gemma Moroni, Hard Numbers co-founder and MD Darrell Sperry, Calder founder and director Kamikwa Pierce, and Bold White Space co-founder and MD Mike Robb. Thank you for joining us. We're going to start with a bit of agency speed dating. So in one minute, please tell our listeners about your agency why it is different and what makes it a compelling prospect to potential clients. Uh, let's start with Gemma, if that's okay. Thanks, John. So my agency is Shook, co-founded by me and Damon Statt. Our superpower is we combine behavior design and creativity. And for us, that's about understanding how to create action, not just words. And we combine the two things to fix brand, business and behaviour challenges and deliver ideas with impact. So there are agencies that say that they understand behaviour. There are agencies that say they are very creative. What we do is bring the two together using a new way to model behaviour, behaviour design and combining that with creativity to create action from audiences not just words. So far, we've worked with about five different brands, everything from a purpose project for a very large tech company through to working across comms and creative for the Ruth Strauss Foundation charity and also some campaigning work during the pandemic when we helped a charity to campaign for the government to house people experiencing homelessness with their pets. So what we offer is 
the superpower of behavior design and creativity for brands who want action, not just words. Thanks, Gemma. Uh, Daryl? Thanks, John. We are hard numbers. We are a performance-driven marketing and communications consultancy with a focus on delivering demonstrable return on investment for our clients. We create campaigns that drive pipeline, sales, and company growth for tech, data, and professional services businesses. We are different by design. Our name says it all. We deliver hard numbers. We are as comfortable in front of a pivot table or CRM as we are speaking to a journalist, even one, John, as probing and as sharp as you are. We don't sell time. We sell results. No timesheets. And all of our relationships are based on deliverables, which drive an outcome for our clients. We speak and report our impact in plain English. No PR yoga babble. And we create leads and pipeline by any means necessary. So that could be PR, that could be content, digital events, or that could be going route one and bashing the phones to create leads for our clients if we need to. And we use the latest technology. So we use HubSpot, Google Data Studio, and Propel to be better and more efficient at what we do and prove it to our clients with real-time transparent reporting. In short, John, we deliver hard numbers. Okay, thank you, Daryl. Uh, thanks for the compliment too. Um, Kamiqua. Hi, John. So, Colder, we're a new consultancy and we're for brands and organisations that want to do better business on purpose. So, we exist to help uh, companies, brands, organisations break the ice that can sometimes exist between business strategy, culture and their reason for existing. Um, we have a community of culture consultants and um, we've earned our stripes providing consultancy and creative narratives for mainstream clients and big business um, but also the novel and the niche and so we understand the intersectional ways that underrepresented audiences live love and work um, so we're here to really support those companies who want to not only walk their talk but want to respond to societal needs and need a little bit of support and help on their journey to more purpose-led growth um, from a team point of view, we're diverse from the outset. Um, culture is baked in from the outset and each team member will always be encouraged to bring their full selves to work because we think that's our competitive advantage. Thanks, Cam. And finally, Mike. Thanks, John. So Bold White Space is different because we are overtly bringing together advertising, marketing and PR in one agency with great people in each of those areas from the very beginning of, of the firm and underpinned by great technology that informs our delivery. Um, and our, our methodology is entirely driven by that. So based on what we call a whole world brand view, where we consider what really matters across all of those areas and irrespective of channel. So in practice, this means being able to say to a client, look, don't do any PR at all when it makes sense, which frankly, I don't think is always possible within a traditional PR agency model. Um, and our technology, which we've been building since the start of February, um, reviews and tracks a client's entire brand across all those channels in one place and identifies what we think are the real challenges, ultimately informing what we do in delivering better work. Um, so far, it's been a great start. We've got six clients, everything from day-to-day -day PR through to brand design, brand strategy. And we've got our first out-of-home campaign launching in a few weeks' time. Brilliant. Well, thank you for that, Mike, and thanks everyone. Uh, plug time over. Let's get into some of the uh, some of the, some of the questions. Um, the first question is a um, quite a basic one, really. Uh, why did you decide to launch an agency during the coronavirus crisis? Who would like to start on that question? I'm happy to start if you like. <laughs> I'm going to assume that everybody here has a similar answer, which is we didn't. So. Um, 
I have worked together with Damon for the last 15 years and we've always talked about setting up an agency together and we resigned in November last year because we got offered a brilliant opportunity to finally do it. Um, we left our old jobs in mid-March and by the following week the whole country had gone into lockdown so it was certainly an unexpected challenge and one that we hadn't planned for when we were thinking about setting up our new business but actually we've been really fortunate in that the following week after lockdown we secured our first project and it was for a long-term retained project so we were able to start off with that while still setting the business up so we've had that and further projects that have come into us on recommendation for March, April, May. Um, and then we officially actually launched in June, just a couple of weeks ago. But we've been fortunate that we've been able to be doing things behind the scenes in the meantime. Great. No, that's um, uh, that, that sounds positive. Um, who else would like to discuss the... Um... The origins, I guess, and um, why, why, why now, and why during the pandemic? I'm happy to, John. Much um, like Gemma, you know, the truth is this was a long time in the planning. I've been talking to my business partner Paul Stollery about this uh, in sort of November, December time, um, and I can very honestly tell you we didn't plan on there being a global pandemic um, when we were discussing uh, hard numbers all the way back then. Uh, I took the decision to leave a very comfortable and very well remunerated job at a great agency like Hotwire in February and then uh, we announced that in March and we didn't launch the agency until until June at a very similar time luckily not at the same time as uh, Gemma's we didn't time that but I'm so glad we we didn't launch on the same day um, I w I, I've got to be honest with you John I'd be lying if I said there haven't been moments of doubt through the that period of time um, but, you know, as I sit here now, we've got six clients, we've got a very, very fast growing uh, business uh, and I couldn't be happier that, I, I, you know, I, I took the plunge and I gave it a go. But uh, come back and ask me how I feel in six months time. Will do. Um, would, would either of the other two of you um, like to discuss your sort of a, a agency origins and the, the, the timings aspect uh, and maybe, maybe maybe reflect on some of the, some of the challenges that that's, uh, that's brought? So I, I'm happy to go. So um, similar to everybody else, actually, I think my first proper realisation that um, we were launching in a pandemic was when people kept saying, ex-colleagues, you're so brave. Because um, actually, um, I, I left, I was at Webshamwick for a while, and then I was at the NCS Trust for just over three years. Um, and I left that role in March. And actually, the I think both pandemics, so COVID and probably the sort of Black Lives Matter movement and the whole move towards anti-black racism just really provided that real clarity and just that understanding that there was a more unique offer that um, that um, I could sort of spearhead and, and provide to the industry. So, um, so it was kind of a combination of both of those things, really kind of crystallizing um, that there was a need for some different thinking and a more unique way of working. Um, but I guess to, your, to the other point, that it's not been without its challenge um, in terms of uh, setting up and, you know, physical shops versus remote working, the fact that we're all a little bit exhausted by Zoom um, and you, missing a little bit of the traditional ways where you can build relationships with clients. Although in some ways that has presented a bit of an opportunity too, because I think the fact that we're kind of employees one minute and um, mums and dads are doing other things the next means that you um, it's an opportunity to have more kind of real and honest conversations and build better relationships. But I think it has been quite tricky in some respects to, to launch at this time. 
Good stuff. Mike, did you want to um, uh, jump in now and talk about your, your yeah. experience? Um, sure. I'm afraid it's the same story. I mean, yeah, we, we didn't plan to launch during a crisis. Same, same as Gemma. I, I resigned back in November and then and then left, left MHP in, in February. Um, but I think, to be honest, we, we probably have in common the fact that we clearly saw an opportunity in an industry pre-pandemic. And so I think, for, certainly for me, I think that the model that we, we thought about back in November is just more applicable today, where you've got clients wanting, frankly, better value, more agile and an approach, um, clearer delivery. Um, and, and if anything, the pandemic just accentuates that and makes it more relevant. So it's definitely been, you know, challenging. And, and you had that moment of, you know, how's this going to impact the short term? But I mean, for me, it's actually been um, quite an enjoyable process over the last few months, different for sure. But, you know, the, the main challenge for me has been hiring people. Um, and, and, you know, we set out, we raised a bit of money to launch this. And, and part of that was to make sure we had quality people across all the different areas of the business and in the different channels with different expertise. Um, so, you know, we've, we've hired eight and I've not met six of them yet. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's, it's a definitely different challenge doing that and going through that process. But, um, Actually, sorry, we met at the end of last week for the first time, and and it, it definitely changes things. But but actually, I think the hardest bit is not so much the hiring, but the embedding of a culture and and um, team relationships and so on is definitely harder when when you've never been together uh, physically. But you know, hopefully that will change uh, in the not too distant future. Yeah, I'm sure. Would anyone else like to uh, discuss the kind of people and talent challenges in launching at this uh, this bizarre time? I think actually one point to make is because unfortunately of the fallout of the pandemic for so many people, actually there's so much talent out there. So we've had so many incredible CVs in. So actually I think again for a new agency, it's a great time because there are so many people out there to look at and to potentially choose from when you're looking to build a team. Um, I think Cam made a really interesting point as well, which is in terms of relationships with clients. So we have only met one of our clients in the flesh. Everything else has been done over Zoom and everything from 10 hours worth of workshops with people in 10 different locations and eight different time zones. And I think if you said that to anybody in normal life, they'd think, oh my God, that sounds awful. But actually, as Cam said, I think it's been a very bonding experience. And from my point of view, I think again, for a new agency, brands have been much more brave. They've been quicker to make decisions. They, uh, as Mike said, they're looking for agile agencies. So actually I think all of those things have been real benefits for us. It's a really good point, isn't it? I mean, I guess, you know, for all of you are in the situation where as in terms of your own new ventures, you won't be experiencing it pre-coronavirus, pre-lockdown. So, um, I mean, to what extent do you think the culture that you're developing now um, in the early stages during this, this crisis will continue and sort of almost uh, become a defining feature of the business uh, in the future. I mean, do you think this, I guess the sort of lack of office space and virtual um, pitching and client meetings and, and so on are, are obvious ones, but you know, to what extent, I suppose, do you think your agency might be defined by the way um, you're working now perhaps? I'm happy to talk a little bit to that. And, and definitely in terms of um, people um, and just from having lots of conversations with um, potential um, people to join the team, um, almost the remote working has been a, 
more of a rule and less of an exception, which which is absolutely fine. But I think people um, being much more upfront about how they want to work from the outset um, and not just because they've got children or other responsibilities outside of work has definitely been kind of a, a real shift. But one that um, definitely... I'm much more responsive, I'm responsive to you anyway, because I, I have a um, son. But yeah, I think it's just really understanding what um, the team wants and how they want to work and making sure that, you know, there is still that opportunity to collaborate and come together, but that we're, that you're offering uh, uh, an opportunity that really fits with how they want to live and work from now on. And I, I mean, I've even heard um, just others have said, you know, I'm more likely to stay or buy a house outside of London now there's no no so much there's not there's less of a need to to be closer and be you know 20 minutes or half an hour from work for example so I think definitely that's going to influence um how we move forward and how we work differently um in the industry interesting do you um you need to know actually if um if any of you have a physical office I mean clearly whether you're there or not is, is it at the moment it's a different question but um did any of you sort of sign a lease before the lockdown happened or any, anything like that? Uh, yeah, we, we did actually. We signed a lease at the very end of March, knowing that lockdown was coming, but managed to get a sensational uh, rent reduction and um, you know a deal that lets us put it back every month until until we deem it right to go back. So we've actually decided to go back from the first of August with all the you know the protections in place and everything, um, because you know we always did want an office. I mean, I think the. The way of working that's come out of the pandemic to some agencies for whom this this environment is totally alien was something we were going to do anyway. Now, that's to say that we always wanted an office and we do think that that coming together is important. But the flexibility around it and, and, and being entirely overt about that has always been something that we think is just the right way to do it. So um, I actually suspect that a lot of agencies might be talking the game about this being the new way of working. But as soon as they possibly can, they'll get back to the, the normal way of having people in the office as much as possible. But we'll see if that comes true. It felt like actually last week was the week where a lot of people started to go back to the office. It was all over certainly my social feeds. Um, we do have an office. We plan to go back to the office later in the year. I think one of the things for me that is really important in all of this, not just for new agencies, but more widely, is there's been a lot of talk about all the great things that have happened. So people being able to bring more of themselves to work, people making quicker decisions, uh, people being able to work more flexibly. I think if, if either the industry or individual agencies want those things to continue they won't continue unless you design for them to continue so the minute that you start to see people around you going back to the office or perhaps not working as flexibly everyone will feel that they have to follow suit so I think it needs to be a really conscious decision about what's right for your agency and also what's right for your clients because at the end of the day we are you know we're in service to our clients but I think there's the opportunity to take a breath and think about actually how an agency wants their future to be, whether they're a new agency or a very old agency, because otherwise it will will lose all the positives that have come out of this. It's a, it's a good question. Are there any other sorts of positive ways of working or uh, approaches, um, perhaps around client relations, that um, you think uh, may be embedded in, in the business long term? I think for us, we, we we will definitely be have a hybrid structure. I think moving forward between, you know, the the flexibility that is afforded to you by working from home, or 
people talk a lot about working from home, but just working remotely full stop, you know, to give you that that flexibility to kind of work from from anywhere. But then allied to the fact, you know, we do have an office. We know that, you know, some of our more um, junior members of staff don't have home offices or studies or, you know, the kind of facilities that maybe some of us more middle-aged, um, you know, uh, members of the team have. So, you know, they might well want to be in the in the office and it might, you know, be a more conducive environment for them to, to work. So, I, you know, I think we'll always have um, baked into our, um, you know, business, the, the, the flexibility. And I think, you know, the tools that we use, whether it's CRM or whether it's communication tools like Guild or, um, you know, Propel or Dropbox or, you know, Zoom like everyone else, um, gives us a platform to to always be working and collaborating with one another and reporting back to our, our clients, but um, in a really, really flexible um, fashion. Yeah, we joke, Zemo and I, that we're like Ant and Deck because we've sat next to each other in a certain order for pretty much the last 15 years. So we've had to find a new way of working without being sat next to each other. But actually, it's been brilliant and we wouldn't have found it were it not for this lockdown. So we just sit on Zoom all day, even if we're not working together so that we can have that chat that you don't have in the office. And we found a way of, you know, working to work on the wall um, when we're not in the same place. So I agree with you. I think it will need to be a hybrid and it's taking the positives of both and finding a way that works for everyone. And it's not going to be the same for every single person. Yeah, I completely agree with that, Gemma. Um, also, because I think with one of our um, clients, um, we actually go in once or twice a week. So it's kind of matching what you do um, to how clients want to um, how clients want to work with you too. Um, and actually, because there's not that many people in the office, it's, it gives you that space, but also the ability to collaborate and get some decisions made even more quickly. So um, I completely agree that there's a piece around people in team, but also um, just more broadly how, how clients want to work with you. Interesting. Um, another question I'd like to ask, I mean, clearly we've, we've written about um, quite a few new agency openings recently and um, uh, the four of you have, have been among those, but there have also been others. I mean, why do you think there has been a flurry of new openings during the crisis? I mean, do you think it's coincidence or there are other reasons at play? I mean, I'm tempted to say, obviously, some people are being made um, redundant, sadly, and, and so on. That's going to encourage some people to go out on their own through necessity. Um, I don't think that's the case from what you've been saying in, in your situations because you've been planning this um, pre-lockdown by quite a long time. But um, do you have any thoughts about why there does seem to be more, uh, there do seem to be more openings at the moment? I think, you know, to, to answer your question, I think there's there's two answers. There's uh, the truth and then there's the post rationalization so the truth is you know I've there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Uh, mortgages to pay. I'm a risk-averse middle-aged uh, man. Um, I probably would have thought twice about leaving a safe and, and well-paid job at a, a great agency to go and start a new business in the teeth of the worst recession in living memory. But I think the, the post-rationalization is that recessions are actually a great time to launch a business. Uh, yes, you know, new business might be slightly harder to uh, to find and you've got to scrap harder to win it. Um, but you're starting from a zero base. You're unencumbered by any legacy technology or people or processes which may exist in more established businesses. We had the flexibility to be able to change our strap line and, and aspects of our value proposition between the time we started working on it and the time we launched. We were able to develop and launch a new and innovative service like our digital PR audit in the space of a weekend. We can move quickly to capitalize on where we see there's opportunity. And and also, you know, being really honest with you, it's the law of small numbers. So I can tell you we've grown 600% in the last six weeks, and that sounds impressive. But from having gone from one to six clients would be a rounding error in a business like Edelman. So, um, you know, we've got a long way to go yet. I would just add to that. I think, you know, as we said earlier, um, all of our agencies have been planned long before coronavirus was even a thing. So I do think it's partly coincidence at the moment. Although, as you've said, unfortunately, clearly some people will will be forced into that as necessity. But I do think this is only a good thing. I think this, this 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 startup culture within the industry and challenging the way things are done can only be a good thing. But ultimately, I think that the, the trend has to be that we all see opportunities in an industry that's fundamentally not working as well as it should do for a lot of clients and doesn't fit for a lot of clients. Um, and I think that is probably the coincidence that brings us all together, although future agency openings may, may be more related to the circumstance of um, of, of the crisis. I'm going to move on and talk a bit. It'd be good, be good to focus on clients, really. Um, I mean, do you believe this crisis will redefine the, the client-agency relationships, and in in what way? Um, and obviously, you are going to be starting from a clean slate, so maybe um, you may be ahead of ahead of the game when it when it comes to these things. Um, and also, do you believe it could change the agency business model, um, aside from the obvious things like remote working um, and how agencies operate? Yeah, I can speak to speak to that if you like. I think you know a crisis is a terrible thing to waste, and uh, you know I think if agencies don't use this as an opportunity to really reassess their businesses and their business models, then they're wasting the the opportunity. My criticism of most of the agencies that have started in the last five to ten years is they haven't really taken the opportunity of the technology that exists now or the wider business context to rethink what they do or how they do it. You know, there are exceptions like PR Network and Don't Cry Wolf, but most of the new agencies that have started out still basically get a group of young people in the shared office space in central London and then sell their time to companies for a markup. We've taken the opportunity to rethink every aspect of the agency model. So whether that's using CRM and analytics for everything we do, whether that's getting rid of timesheets because they are quite literally a waste of time, um, whether that's, you know, really focusing on delivering best-in-class measurement and transparency to our clients, or indeed, as, as we've touched on, where we're located. So where and how 
we work and how labor is divided between in-house and external resources to enable us to scale more quickly to respond to demand or, or changing circumstances. And, and ultimately, you know, I think all of that has a benefit for the clients and, and, and we will only win, um, you know, if, if, uh, if, if our clients really fully see um, the benefit of, of that. And that's why we're going to continue to invest in, in our people and value professional development and promote that to our clients and potential talent acquisitions as well, because we want hard numbers to be a champion of continuous professional development. And you'll, you'll hear a lot more about um, that, hopefully, from, from us in the not-too-distant future, because we think that is going to massively differentiate us from um, other agencies out there. Thanks, Darrell. Um, anyone else got thoughts on on this, on uh, um, you know, particularly client-agency relationships and, uh, and, and the structure of your businesses? Oh, no, I was just going to add that I think what's interesting, just even with us all talking here, is that we're all offering kind of more blended uh, offers because we kind of understand that it's, it's, it never has been, I guess, PR in isolation and, you know, or just media relations. And I think the more sort of clients that we speak to and the more, you know, specifically senior clients, they're looking for something different and comms can play more of a role um, than just, um, you know, getting uh, specific numbers to the pieces of coverage, which the industry I think has talked about for a really long time, but doesn't hasn't necessarily innovated or um, moved on as much as we could have. Um, like like has been said from a kind of technology technological point of view, but also just in in the way that we work and the way we service clients. So I think definitely a bit to your point earlier around what what might we see differently. I think it is. Um, the agility that you have with a smaller agency to offer a more kind of bespoke uh, service to clients who not quite sure exactly what part of the marketing mix they're looking for, um, but know that they want um, one kind of it to come from one voice that can really support them on whatever journey they're on. And that's definitely what we've um, found as we've been talking to kind of um, prospective clients and, and clients um, at Calder. Yeah, I think agility is a really important point because we were saying earlier, imagine if you're sitting there and you normally do John Lewis's Christmas ad, right? Or you make ads for a supermarket. You're having to think now about what that Christmas ad is. Who knows what Christmas looks like this year? Who knows if we're all back together? Who knows if we're on stronger lockdown? Who knows if we're allowed, you know, five other people? It's a really, really tricky situation to be in if you're in an industry where you've got very, very long lead times and very, very expensive production. So I think there's a big opportunity there for any agencies that can be agile, small and you know, larger agile agencies um, in order to help clients navigate this landscape. You know, you might have shot an ad yesterday that didn't have people in face masks in a shop and lo and behold we now are going to have to wear face masks in shops so it's a very changing landscape and I as we know and I think we see the opportunity for us as helping brands and businesses navigate that changing landscape for the benefit of both people and their profits so for example there could be positive behaviors that people have adopted during lockdown like hands-on hobbies that your brand is really well placed to help them continue because as we were talking about before just because we've really enjoyed doing certain positive things in lockdown doesn't mean we'll carry on and actually there's lots of opportunity there for brands whether it is hobbies or scratch cooking or helping people continue this family bond that actually apparently people have felt despite having to homeschool you know there are lots of opportunities there to adapt to changing consumer behavior or behavior that they want to keep 
interesting point. Um, I, I suppose the sort of the, the consumer behavior elements and the lack of certainty about, you know, what the world's going to look like, you know, frankly, days from now, let alone uh, weeks or months, um, is a, is, is got to be a real consideration. Um, does anyone else have any views on this point? I suppose it comes down to, as someone mentioned earlier on, the sort of um, the need to be agile and, and, and flexible. Um, and perhaps is there a sense that the old agency model wasn't really fit for purpose on this point? Yeah, I mean, I, I 100% agree with that. I mean, I think this is not a problem of the crisis. This is a problem that's been around for, for years. And I've just felt it slightly more acutely, I think, um, of late, especially working with, you know, hungrier, high growth businesses that are really exciting in terms of what they do and the markets they're trying to disrupt, who don't have the budgets necessarily to spend on six different agencies for six different channels, but they need that that flexibility and they need you to be able to change from what one month might be focused on media relations to the next month might, might be focused on um, entirely acquisition and, and, a, and a paid campaign. And I just don't think that large agencies can change quick enough. Uh, and that's for lots of reasons, from everything from, from structure and culture to systems and technology or, or the lack of it in many cases. Um, and I think everything we've discussed today and the other, everyone else has talked about, that's a massive opportunity for, for new businesses starting from the beginning and able to do that all the best possible way we can from the ground up. And, and I do think that's a huge advantage over, over the incumbent agencies. Yeah, we say that we want to give the right answer to the right problem, because if you go to a certain type of agency, you're only going to get a certain type of answer to your question, because that's what they sell. And actually, what we want to look at is what is the behavior that clients want to design for? And what's the core problem holding that behavior back from happening and design for that and give the right answer for that rather than just the answer that we sell off the shelf? Yeah, I think that's a really good point, Gemma. Yeah, and I think Cam and, and Gemma and Mike have all touched on it in, in one way or another, right? If all you've got to hammer, everything else looks remarkably like a nail. Uh, and, you know, and I think all of us are, are, have talked about having a, a flexibility to our approaches and, and a service portfolio and range that may be broader than, than you might get from from other um, agencies. I think the, the flip of that, though, means that you, the focus in the business has got to be elsewhere. So, you know, for us, we're only focused on very specific clients in very specific verticals because you, you definitely don't want to be in a position where you're where you're all things to all people. But but I think that that flexibility of service and the ability to kind of go where the client need is. Um, it's definitely been something that's really important to, to hard numbers, and it sounds like it's been really important to the other agencies too. Out of interest, do um, do any of you describe your agency sort of first off um, as a PR agency? I'm always fascinated by this this question: what people call themselves these days um, when they open a, 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 an agency in this in this world. How, how do you describe yourselves? <laughs> We have controversially gone for creative agency, I think as perhaps a kickback as the use of the word creative agency, suggesting that no other types of agency could be creative. Um, Because when we discussed what our proposition was going to be, clearly creativity, given the agencies that we've come from, was always going to be a really central part of it. But for us, it was about using creativity to put a dent in the universe. So how do you combine creativity with an understanding of behavior to make that happen? 
So, I mean, if nothing else, if you ask me about my Google AdWords, uh, there's PR in there, there's communications in there. The way that we describe it is we do creative communications and campaigning. And for us, that reflects the beauty of everything that we can bring from a PR point of view, but also the ability to provide creative thinking embedded in behavior that can work across multiple channels so for one of the clients that we're working on we've looked at their comm strategy so their messaging and how that should be um, communicated over time in order to achieve their goals but we've also looked at creative that will happen um, at a big high profile sporting event that they're doing so what might the branding be around the edge of the stadium uh, so for us it was important to reflect both where our heart is but also where we believe our thinking can stretch i think um to give you a, a really honest answer to your uh, question john it, it it doesn't really matter to our clients i think for the majority of the clients that we we work with they they don't think of us as a as a PR agency or a marketing agency or a communications consultancy or anything else. They, they come to us with problems and we help them find solutions. So that could be we, we put on, at the moment, virtual events for, for clients or, or, or um, we are running email marketing campaigns for some clients or we are, uh, we, we've got uh, one client where we're rewriting their investor deck. Um, you know, there's whole, a whole panoply of different challenges that we're helping clients with. You know, and for us, we don't really... Um, people don't don't come to us, or you know, their, their first question isn't, um, you know, is we need or their challenge isn't we need PR. The companies that we we work with and that we love working with are, are companies that come to us and say we need to grow, we need more clients, we need to open up in a new market, we've got a new service or product that that we need to launch. We you know, it's those things, and then we work back from that to say, okay, well here's the here's the series of things that we put in place to help you achieve that that end goal and here's how we'll manage your uh your progress against it i i completely agree with that daryl so we've we're similar and i think if we're pushed we say marketing communications um but actually our offer is very different to different people so for example we're working with some clients exclusively on our kind of inclusively diverse offer which is very much about and building that cultural understanding within the workplace. So starting from an internal place, but then very much building to what does that look like in terms of inclusive business? They're very much more along the kind of ESG lines. Um, and then with others, it's purely um, about kind of creative campaigns um, as they're on their journey to purpose-led growth. So it's very, very different to different people, but also it is very much about the problem that presents and what's the best way. And actually I just had a, I just had a call just before this where, a client was um, was saying, you know, is it internal? Is it external? And they don't they don't know because actually it's just not the way they're looking at it. They just know they want to do something differently, um, and they need a partner to help them navigate what that looks like. Um, whether they're talking to their employees or they're talking to their customer, um, and I think that is and another kind of shift that I've definitely been seeing um, in terms of how um, potential clients are have been sort of wanting to have the conversation about how Colder can support them. Great, thank you. Um, <clears throat> I want to move on now to um, the future. Um, it'll be really interesting to uh, hear from you all where you sort of see the business in, let's say, for argument's sake, three years. And I know sort of, um, in a sense, it's a fool's game to guess um, what the world's going to be like three years from now, but what the hell. Um, does anyone have any sort of um, uh, anything like a clear idea of 
of their sort of plan for where the business might be three years from now in terms of the types of clients, the type of work, maybe the size of, of, of the operation that they would like to share? I'll happily go if no one else will. <laughs> um, you know, we, yeah, we have a, a pretty clear plan of where we want um, the, the business to be in, in three years' time. And, and uh, we've got a, a two-year a two year business plan that we um, that's our base case that we basically uh, benchmark our uh, performance against on a on a on a monthly basis. But I'll be really honest with you, John. We have written now three versions of that business plan. We wrote a version of that business plan uh, uh, in around February time of uh, of this year, and it was quite a punchy, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, some decent growth and you know all the rest of it. Then we wrote a version of that business plan in, in mid-March, which basically assumed we wouldn't win a single client for six months. Um, and then we wrote a version of the business plan um, around about you know, the start of June, which um, you know, it, it, we're now actually outperforming um, all, all three of them. And, and we're, we're tremendously fortunate to be in that position. But, but I feel like uh, we're in a we've got a proposition which is machine tooled for the times that we live in. You know, every every line item in every marketing budget is now discretionary and every single penny has got to be justified. And, and when you walk into a C-suite of a company, um, they're not going to be impressed with your storytelling ability. They're going to be impressed with, um, you know, the, the numbers and the performance that you're able to to deliver them. So I think that's the thing that we're going to going to focus on um, for, for the foreseeable. And we're going to keep a really tight um rain on on costs and really focus on on growing the top line and um very much hope uh that you know we'll be around in a year or two's time for you to do a follow-up podcast on this john and we'll see see where we've got to um anyways Gemma, would you like to uh give an idea of where you see you see your business three years yeah. hence a similar story it's about growth obviously by that point we would like to be very much breaking into that top 150 table I think for us it will always though be growth um, not at the expense of the work so the creative uh, caliber of the work but also the effectiveness of the work so very much what Daryl has talked about you know for us there's no point making something if it's not shaking something um, is what we say as shook so we want to be making work for clients that works for their business um, and for their brands so that we have long-term relationships with those clients. Sounds good. Um, Cam, would you like to... Uh, yeah, sure. I, 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 yeah, I agree with what um, Gemma and, and, and Daryl said also, is in that um, for us, it's very much about those longer-term relationships. Um, we have, I think, in terms of the initial business plan, it, we have rewritten it um, again. Um, just... Because I think actually the inclusivity and diversity piece has been, I mean, we thought it would be of, um, of interest and we'd get a lot of um, interest in it, but it's been even bigger than we thought it would be um, in terms of companies really wanting that support. And I'd imagine, I mean, depends if if everybody is walking there, talking those sorts of areas, that piece might change quite or be quite different um, in a year or, a two, or two years time, which would actually be a good thing. Um, I think from a kind of the overall kind of purpose offer and, and working with brands to help them really walk their talk, whether that's kind or societal change again um 
growth is the name of the game, but it is very much also about working with the clients that have that commitment. And we were quite were quite clear that you've got to be at a place where you want to do something a bit differently first. Um, so that's really important in terms of those partnerships and the clients that we work with. And Mike, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think think for us, number one, it's it's the work um, and, and looking for the right kind of client that fits our agency and, and then ultimately redefining our clients and, and you know ultimately defining markets. You know, that's what we're looking for, certainly over the first year or two, um, and also looking to do work in all verticals and all channels uh, and, and really you know following through on, on our on what we want to do in our proposition. And um, secondly, I'd say technology. So, you know, as I said earlier, we're investing in our own technology that lets people, lets clients monitor, track, predict, and react, which I think is now just absolutely vital. So I'd like to see that um, well-established within three years. And then also um, we're going to look to get out of the UK as quickly as we can. Not entirely, we will still be here, but I think the, the you know, the, the one word we haven't used so far is Brexit and what happens irrespective of, of COVID. I think, you know, a business that's looking beyond the UK to do work beyond the UK and actually two of our clients so far, one has been in Sweden and one was in the Middle East. I think that is a very sensible plan for, for any agency that um, is looking at the slightly longer term picture. I think... Can I ask a question of... Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I... Yeah. I think or hope that that will be easier for all of us because of what's happened during lockdown, working remotely with clients, working with technology. I think we all have the opportunity to be much more borderless in terms of the clients that we work with, particularly because I don't think what any of us is sort of solely offering is that media relations. So actually that more kind of strategic and creative thinking from our point of view, but the opportunity to do that elsewhere other than the uk i hope will be great for all of us yeah, i agree great well really good stuff um, i'm afraid that's all we got time for it went very quickly but i would like to thank you all Gemma, daryl cam and mike for joining us and for our production partners marketeers if you enjoyed this podcast please visit the pr week website and support our journalism on behalf of the pr week team until next time goodbye Thanks for listening to the PR Show podcast with John Harrington. Brought to you by PR Week. If you've liked what you've heard, please leave us a nice review. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.